Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church PCA in Collierville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, missioncollierville.org. So early on in our marriage, Vicki and I traveled to Western Europe. We were backpacking across several countries. I use the word backpack loosely. And towards the end of our itinerary, one of our plans was to visit Dachau, the concentration camp in southern Germany. And those were in the days before you could look at your phone and turn on the Google machine and find out information about a location or a place. And so a few days before we were to go there, we stopped at an internet cafe. And I was reading about Dachau and about the visit and about you know, how much it would cost and what times they were open and so forth. And as I was spending time looking at this and researching this, I started reading stories of people who had been there. And I'll never forget the story of one young woman who talked about just the pure evil of this concentration camp. And she talked about the fear that she had from the moment she woke up till when she went to sleep. And how the fear would resurface in the dreams that she would have that evening. She talked about disease. She talked about death. And she talked about alienation. One thing that she said that caught my attention was that death would almost be a relief. That the alienation from her mother and her father and her siblings was the hardest part. The alienation from the little village where she lived. That that was so difficult to deal with day in and day out as she managed the terror and horror of this Nazi concentration camp. And as I was coming to our passage this week, and I was looking at Mark chapter 5, I noticed in our passage sickness, disease, death, fear, and alienation. And as I looked at the passage, if Jesus was not in it, there would be no hope. But what's true of this this morning is that in this story, actually in these two stories, Jesus is alive and well and bringing hope to our text. Because Jesus is our only hope. Let's pray. Lord God, this is your word and we pray that you would take it and that you would apply it to our hearts. That you would work in our souls. That you would dig down deep. And by the work of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to understand what it is that you have to say this morning. Lord God, that through this message in the Gospel of Mark, through Jesus, who is our only hope, that you would train, change us even as you draw us closer to yourself. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. 
So there are three things that I want us to see this morning. We've talked about in this passage, you see disease and you see sickness and you see fear and you see death and you see alienation. But there's three things that we can gather from this. Number one, the healing that we have in Christ. The acceptance Jesus brings. And number three, our resurrection hope. So let's, let's talk about the first thing, the healing that we have in Christ. Going back to the story of the concentration camp, this little girl talked about all the diseases that circulated in the camp and how people would die on a daily basis from these various diseases and how scary it was and how, and I remember her saying, it just didn't seem right. It just didn't seem like this is the way things were supposed to be. And we come to our text in the Gospel of Mark and we see disease right off the bat. Jesus has crossed back over the Sea of Galilee. He's entered into the, one of the main areas where He did ministry amongst Jewish believers and, and Jew, His Jewish followers and Jewish people that lived in that area. And He comes in contact with the synagogue ruler and his daughter is sick. And then we move a little bit further in the passage and we meet a woman who is also sick. And so the first thing that we think about is the sickness that exists in this world, not only from the illustration that I mentioned, not only from the passage of Scripture that we're looking at today, but in our own lives. Every one of us is affected by sickness short-term and long-term, in our close-knit family and in our expanded family, even to our friends. We all deal with the ugliness of sickness. And so when we look at this passage as believers in Jesus, we have to ask the question, what do we do with sickness? What do we do with illness? And I think the first thing that we need to understand is that God can heal. We need to believe in the reality that our God is alive and He is sovereign and He is powerful and He can heal. And so Scripture tells us over and over again that we should pray to that end. And when sickness enters our lives, when we experience sickness, when we see sickness, it is the right thing as believers in Christ to come before the throne of grace and to pray regarding this sickness and to pray that God would heal us. Hear Romans chapter 12, verse 12. It says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The New Testament is telling us that as God's people, He wants to hear from us. That we can come to Him and we can offer up to Him the burdens of our heart, the tribulations of our soul, and through prayer. And that is what He longs to hear from us. But there's a caveat. Look at 1 John 5.14. 1 John 5.14, this is one of those passages in Scripture that I always recommend that you underline if you are have a pen or a pencil and you're there in, in Scripture. 
John says, and this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Prayer is an instrument that God uses in order to accomplish His will. And when our prayers align with His will, God hears and God responds. Sometimes the biggest blessing that He can bestow upon us is not hearing some of our prayers. Because often we pray in a sinful fashion or we pray for the wrong things. But when our prayers align with God's will, God moves. And so we understand from the Bible that we are to pray, that He hears us, that we are to constantly pray, that we are to come before Him to pray, that we are to bring our request to the throne room of heaven, and that God will act when those prayers align with His will. Now, it's not easy sometimes to determine the will of God. And that's what Scripture is for. God has given His Word to help us understand His will. God doesn't always answer our prayer requests, but He is telling us that He cares deeply and He wants us to come to Him and that prayer is an instrument that He uses in order to act. And so when we have sickness in our own life, when we have sickness in our family, when we have sickness that surrounds us, it's a wonderful thing that God's people can come to Him in prayer and make known to Him how difficult this is and how challenging this is and how frustrating it is and how it doesn't feel right, that it's sad, and that it's hard, and that if He so chooses according to His will, would He heal us or heal this person? So that's the first thing. God can heal. We should pray to that end. But then there's a bigger point in the text that we need to see and we need to understand. Because what happened to this woman who was healed? Well, we know that eventually she died. So she wasn't healed forever. She was healed temporarily. Here's what Mark is trying to do. Mark is giving his readers, he's giving his audience, he's giving us a glimpse into the character of Jesus. This is who Jesus is. That the kingdom of God has broken into time and space, that the perfection of the kingdom of God has entered into the fallen nature of creation, that it is saddled up alongside humanity, that Jesus is the Messiah and the Redeemer and His King is planting and establishing His kingdom And when it comes in all its fullness, when the kingdom is finally here, that disease and sickness will be no more. That disease and sickness will be no more. Now, if you remember the illustration that I mentioned at the very beginning regarding the concentration camp, I remember very vividly this young girl saying that this doesn't feel right. That this evil, this terror, this sickness, the death... This doesn't feel like the way it should be. Human life shouldn't be like this. And she was owned to something. Because when we come to the Gospels and we come to the New Testament and we see Jesus and we see Him establishing His kingdom and we see Him calming the storm and we see Him casting out the demons from legion and we see Him healing this woman we're getting a tiny glimpse of what the kingdom will be like one day. 
It's not supposed to be like this. And Jesus is going to restore all things to Himself so that people will no longer be sick. I don't know about you, but my life has been dramatically affected by cancer and by Alzheimer's. And so when you come to this passage and you think about those two stifling diseases, Jesus is standing up and He's saying, Hunter, when the kingdom comes, when I establish my reign in all its fullness, that will no longer exist. And things will be the way they are supposed to be. And so as humans who live in a fallen world, we're going to encounter these things. Cancer and heart disease and Alzheimer's and many different diseases and disorders and problems. And it's hard and it's frustrating and it's troubling. And in the midst of that, Jesus is saying there is hope for a day that is to come. And that's what we hold on to. We hold on to a God who provides future healing. A God who provides a world that is coming, that is free from the struggle and sin. Second point, the acceptance that Jesus brings. So when Jesus encounters this woman, when she touches him and power goes out from him, which is the only time that that is ever mentioned in the Gospels, and she is healed, it's important to understand what Jesus has done. We, we immediately think in the context of someone who was sick, now they're better. But she was a Jewish woman because Jesus is in Jewish territory. And so because of this disorder, because of this disease, because of this problem, we don't know fully what it is, she's unclean. So she is ceremonially unacceptable to the people in her community. Also means she can't be married. So she is an outcast. She is on the fringes of her own society. She is alienated. She is alienated. And so when Jesus heals her, it's more than just the medical problem. He's bringing her back into society. She's bringing her back into her community. She's giving her the opportunity perhaps to be married. Jesus is restoring her. And that's what He does for us. Think about it from a heavenly perspective. We are fallen creatures. We are sinful, rebellious creatures people. And God is holy and He is perfect and He is without sin and we cannot approach Him. We have no right to come into His presence. So we have a real problem. There's no way to get from point A to point B. And Jesus comes and He bridges the gap. He strips us of our sinful condition. He justifies us he is our atonement. He builds the bridge that allows us to come into the presence of the Father. So we are no longer alienated. Again, think back to the illustration that I mentioned in the beginning. This young girl 
amidst the horror in which she dwelt, said the one thing that is most difficult is the alienation that I feel from my family. It's not the torture. It's not the disease. It's not the death. And think about the alienation that this woman was feeling as she approaches Jesus in her desperation to touch His robe. And that is what God has done for you in Christ. He has said, you are no longer going to be alienated from Me. I love you. I care about you. I have been thinking about you from all eternity. And I am going to send My Son to build the bridge that allows you through the work of the Holy Spirit to come to Me. So from a heavenly perspective, God tears down the walls of alienation through His Son Jesus Christ and allows us to boldly, boldly enter into His family. But there's also an earthly component of that alienation that we live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. And we're often alienated from our own family. We're sometimes alienated from friends, from other people. Things happen. Things transpire that are very challenging and very difficult. And it can leave us in a very lonely place. And it doesn't seem like reconciliation is possible. And there's hurt. There's pain. There's loneliness. And Jesus comes to us and He says, I am here for you. I'm your older brother and I love you and I care about you and you are in me. And so you may feel that loneliness in this life. You may feel that alienation. You may be upset about strained relationships that you have with family members and with former friends or co-workers or whatever. And what Jesus is saying is, I am with you. I'm walking beside you. I care for you. Do not feel alone. Here, John 15, 9 through 12. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus is saying to you, I have laid down my life for you. I am here for you. You can be filled with joy through me no matter the stresses and strains and challenges that you feel in your life. No matter what's going on in terms of relationships with family members and friends and co-workers and neighbors and acquaintances, no matter how hard that is, no matter how challenging that is, no matter how difficult that is, you can be filled with joy through your relationship with me. There is hope. And it's that hope that allows us to move in the direction of those people, those strained relationships in love. 
It's that hope that we have in Christ, the joy that He brings us, that enables us to deal with the alienation we feel, the loneliness we feel, and then move in the direction of caring for those people, reaching out to them and trying to reconcile in the name of Jesus. So not only is He alien, not only has He torn down the walls of alienation between us and God, Jesus comes to us and enables us to tear down those walls from an earthly perspective as well. That's the acceptance that He brings. That's who Jesus is. We are loved and accepted by Him and that changes everything for us. And then the third point, our resurrection hope. Our resurrection hope. So, before the pandemic, Vicki and I heard that there was a restaurant in East Memphis that was similar to our favorite restaurant in Jackson, Mississippi, steakhouse called Folks Folly. And so I went and I bought a gift certificate, and wouldn't you know it, right after that, the pandemic hit. And so I gave Vicki the gift certificate. It was either for our anniversary or for a birthday, I can't remember. And we waited, and we waited. And I couldn't wait for the day when the restaurant opened back up and we could go eat there. And so the day finally came, and I remember being taken to our table, and the waiter was just very skilled at his job. And he described the steak. I didn't have to look at the menu. He described the steak, and I, I was just filled with anticipation. And then as he took our order, he would continue to come back and tell us about what was happening. He, it's, being, it's, almost, it's being cooked. It's almost ready. Oh, it looks wonderful. Oh, you're going to be so excited to have this brought to your table. And then I see him coming with the tray. Now, we have the gift certificate to a steakhouse. We've waited for a long period of time. We've ordered from the menu based on the recommendation of the waiter. He's talked about the steak over and over again. Do you think that I had any reason to believe that at that moment he was going to lay down bologna on my table? Or that he was going to lay down on my table, on my plate, a frozen pizza? What was my realization? What was, my, what was I hoping for? What did I know for sure I was getting steak? There was no doubt in my mind, there was no doubt in Vicky's mind, there was no doubt even in the waiter's mind that a steak would be placed on my plate that would be absolutely fantastic and wonderful. And that's what transpired. That's what happened. Now here Romans 8, 10-11. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of the sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. So here's what, here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Is that the resurrection that Jesus Christ has accomplished belongs to us. 
That is the king who has come to establish his kingdom, as the king who has come to turn everything around, Jesus has given us the covenant blessing of resurrection. It's not something that we are going to achieve when we die. It's something that already belongs to us because He lives within us. In other words, Jesus, the resurrected King who dwells within us, assures our resurrection. And so as we go through this life, as we walk through this life, we are already resurrected in Christ. It has happened. It will happen because Jesus did it. Jesus accomplished it. Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. So as we approach death, as we approach the final enemy, we no longer look at it as something that's evil and terrible and horrible for those that belong in Christ. We look at it as a gateway, as an entry point into the resurrected life, which already belongs to us because we already belong to Jesus. I had no doubt that a steak was being brought to my plate, that a steak was being brought to my table because everything was in place. I was at a steak restaurant. I had a gift certificate to a steak restaurant. I ordered a steak. The waiter told me about the steak. The waiter had seen the steak in the kitchen. There's no way I would have ever been brought baloney. And for those who belong to Christ, this is our reality. He has lived. He has died. He has been resurrected. He rules from the throne. He dwells in us. He gives us our resurrection. We shouldn't expect anything else. This is what Jesus has done for us. He is our resurrection hope. So when we come to this story and we see the little girl and we see the synagogue ruler pleading with Jesus and He goes and He visits with her and what does the world do? The world laughs. Guess what? The world is laughing at this message. The world laughs at this message. And Jesus says, why are you laughing? Because Jesus knows what's true. That resurrection life belongs to us in Him. And so when He raises this girl from the dead, yet again, we are getting a glimpse of kingdom life. Can Jesus heal people who are sick? Absolutely. Will He do it fully and entirely when the kingdom comes? Absolutely. Can Jesus raise people from the dead? Absolutely. Will we live forever in His presence, dining at His table? Yes, because this is who Jesus is. This is what He will do for us. He is the King. This is His kingdom. This is our hope. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You that we have this hope, that we have the promise of eternal life, that we have resurrection life. Lord, we are so grateful that You have come to establish Your kingdom and to change everything, to turn everything upside down, to answer the question, why are things this way? Oh, Lord God, thank You for all that You do for us. Thank You for how You are redeeming Your people unto Yourself. It's in your son's name we pray.